Welcome to the Mimi B Podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and this podcast is designed to help you become the best version of yourself possible. This podcast will motivate you and give you the tools that you need to get to where you want to be. You guys, we have Dr. Mallory here today. I am so excited for this conversation. Dr. Mallory and I just recently met through a very good friend of mine, Tay. She's been on the podcast many times before. And any friend of Tay's is a friend of mine. Dr. Mallory has been so incredibly helpful in my life, um, helping my sister who has just been going through some health issues and we have just welcomed her in to our family already. And I'm just so excited to introduce her to you guys. She is a naturopathic doctor, but so much more hormone specialist. She is just like the best person to talk to about women's health. And I'm just so excited to pick her brain. So welcome, Dr. Mallory. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I'm so, so excited to be here. I'm, I feel very honored to jump on your podcast and we just met, but it feels, it feels very aligned. So thank you for it feels so the aligned. warm welcome. Yay. Oh my gosh. So before we were recording, we were just talking about so much, you know, the mind body connection, how everything is intertwined. Um, as I mentioned, my sister has been going through some health stuff. She's been public about it on her Instagram. She just got diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease. Um, so I was just talking to Dr. Mallory about that and how it's, you know, so related to our emotional state as well, what happens physically, right? So super excited to get into that and just in a general kind of way, talk about women's symptoms and their emotions. But before we get into all of that good stuff, I want to hear more about you, Dr. Mallory. Where did you grow up? How did you get into this kind of stuff? Were you always super into women's health and seeing kind of like an alternative way to cure things? Or, you know, were you always this way? I just want to know your story a little bit, maybe get some background. Sure. Um, so I grew up in Cape Breton. It's a very, very small island in Canada. Very, very quaint. So beautiful in the ocean. And um, yeah, I think it's more so I got into it from a path of just self-discovery, which a lot of us come from. Uh, I struggled with anxiety. I struggled with eating disorders growing up. And so that took me into a path of psychology and neurology and I was just always fascinated and still am by the brain and how we think and our mindset and how that and our belief systems and how this influences us. And so I kind of felt like I got a little piece of the puzzle, but I wanted to understand the physical body because ultimately when I was going through it in the beginning, it was almost like, okay, well, this makes sense. Um, This feels very relevant. And when I went into more of the functional medical world and more hormones, it did kind of begin to complete a little bit of the picture in how our thoughts, how our beliefs, how we manage stress, how we learn to manage stress can influence our physical bodies and produce symptoms, which are signs for us to do a little bit of investigating. And so over time, I did run a practice. I had a very large practice. Um, The clinic, I kind of did that whole thing. And I found it to be... um, like I was burning out. And so what I did was in, in uh, exchange for that, I work with a handful of women every month now on a one-on-one basis and we dive in pretty deep. But I also created a membership because I'm a, I really am passionate about how we transform and deliver and educate and address 
psychology and stress management and thought patterns and women's hormones, because there's a lot of either misinformation or holes in information. And I feel like we all deserve to know this. We all deserve to know how our bodies operate. Super cool. And so that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where I am now. I work online. I work with women. I have the membership and it's just, it's kind of like my whole heart in a professional form. That's amazing. And you honestly resonate with so many people. And I, I just, I'm just so excited to pick your brain about all of this. So I'm a big believer in the mind-body connection. I know a lot of the listeners are as well, but just from like a kind of almost scientific level, like if a lot of people listening right now, like there might be some of them that are experiencing symptoms that they don't really think are that big of a deal, but they really are. And they could be, um, you know, a symptom of an underlying cause. Like for example, you know, uh, a lot of stress or trouble sleeping or um, just headaches or just not feeling amazing. Do you think we're meant to feel amazing all the time or is it okay to sometimes have, you know, these symptoms that are underlying um, or these feelings that are underlying? What do you think like the kind of optimal human kind of experience should be? And and how do people kind of, I guess, realize what is wrong if they have very general symptoms? Right. So I think that We're not designed because we are emotional beings. We're not designed to feel um, happy all the time. We're not designed to feel positive. We're not designed to have tons and tons of energy. But I also think that some people have never felt amazing. Like their definition of normal could be lower energy. It could be just sort of trudging through the day. It could be sort of this mundane everyday tendency or sleep issues, um, headaches, And so I do think that as a society and as sort of a collective, we really have some room to play with to enhance um, our wellness and our health. And I do think that sort of this, our baseline should certainly be a place where we have stamina, we're awake, we're alert, we have the capacity to make decisions um, based on the betterment of ourselves. We have the um, wherewithal to understand thought patterns and to have boundaries. And I think there's a lot of room collectively where we, we, where we can go there. And you're right. A lot of the symptoms that you mentioned are associated with the stress response. It's associated with this prolonged um, chronic stress response that we're all under, especially now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, yeah. a lot going on. There's a lot of loss. There's a lot of a loss of a sense of loss of freedom, a loss of peace, a loss of our routine or normalcy. And so mm-hmm. when we have the awareness and the understanding to recognize the stress response, we have the power to see it for what it is rather than get pulled into the game of it. And so that's kind of my favorite strategies, especially when we talk about hormones, because when I'm working with women, one of the first things I want to know is how they perceive the language that they use, how they talk about themselves, uh, because it it gives me an insight into their stress response, which influences a lot of our hormones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. What do you think the most common issue in, in your kind of clients, I guess, um, or just in women in general, uh, what do you think that is, especially living in today's day and age, where everything is just heightened. We have social media, we're always on alert. Are there 
certain things that more women are experiencing now more than ever? Yeah. And I, I would say when I am, I see women. So when I, they come into practice, I would see women for things like, um, trouble with their cycle, headaches, weight gain, trouble sleeping, um, anxiety, irritability. And so those are always, um, after effects. They're always consequences of something deeper going on. And so generally what I see oftentimes when we unpack it a little bit further is this chronic stress response. And so my favorite description of stress is applying pressure to your life. It's like, you know, in order to determine the strength of a metal, they put it under enormous pressure and they call it a stress test. That's, Mm -hmm. we are always under this sense of pressure. And so we have this innate mechanism in our bodies from an evolutionary standpoint to respond to the pressure. We can call it cortisol. We can call it the stress response. You can call it the fight or flight response, but ultimately it means the same thing. It's how our bodies learn to respond to this pressure and the external threat. Like there's two Mm -hmm. sides of the teeter totter. Um, when it comes to the stress response, there's the on sympathetic where we feel nervous, anxious, hypervigilant, um, and things like social media, um, computers, relationships, sleep deprivation, diet, these all can trigger this on button for the stress response. And then the alternative is something called the parasympathetic, where we relax, we digest, we rejuvenate, we sleep well, and it's designed to be this on and off mechanism meant for survival right? It's designed to protect us. Mm-hmm. But now it used to be designed so, so like you see the bear, you run away, and then the parasympathetic nervous system activates and you calm down. But now it has been adapted just as we've evolved for psychological safety as well, not just physical safety. So now the bear is our own criticisms. It's worrying about bills. It's a sick loved one, it's getting called into our boss's office. So now versus historically where we would react to the external environment um, through stressors or pressures pressures, uh, or triggers, now we respond more to our perception of stress and Mm -hmm. how we perceive the situation and the story that we create about stress versus um, the actual event that's occurring. How much stress is healthy? So stress is, it's, it kind of gets a bad rap. So cortisol, like the stress response, stress on a biological level is cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Cortisol is necessary for the body. It's on a teeter, it's sort of the opposite of melatonin when we sleep. It's our on button. And so when you wake up in the morning, the fact that you're able to get up and be awake and refreshed, cortisol is allowing you to do that. Multitasking throughout the day, um, keeping up pace, having stamina, cortisol is allowing you to do that. It is when it is, it's perceived the wrong way or we're pushing ourselves too hard that it starts to really, really wear us down. And like, for instance, like I, I would give the example, like Usain Bolt on a hundred meter dash um, at the starting line, if we, if we salivary swabbed him, or if we did a urine c- test for cortisol levels, he would have a high cortisol level. A, a person in the corner having a panic attack could have a similar cortisol level. They're just perceiving it differently. Both mm-hmm. of them are having racing heart. Both of them are kind of feeling sweaty. One is it. One is identifying it as exciting. One is identifying it as terrifying. And so stress is 
adapted for us. It's, it's helpful. It's when we start to create the dialogue attached to stress that it can start to slowly wear us down over time. Mm -hmm. You know what, what's funny, I'm just thinking about this now. I remember reading somewhere that if you're feeling really nervous for something like public speaking, just Mm -hmm. tell yourself, I'm so excited for it when you're feeling so nervous if you're about to go on stage or whatever it is. I'm so excited because your body's response is the exact same, you know, sweaty palms, racing heart, you know, just kind of like that that feeling, right? So it's like, I'm excited to just tell yourself differently. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks that thoughts are sort of just there as like an inner narrative. They just float in and out, but they're actually instructions for your brain. Like when you Mm -hmm. say, I'm excited, um, there's a different narrative that's being sent to your hormonal cascades versus I'm anxious or I'm really worried or even changing the narrative to I'm anxious and that's okay. Like it's the language that we use is very important for how we can trigger the stress response. Mm-hmm. What do you, you know, a lot of your clients obviously come to you with all these um, issues hormonally or whatever it is. What do you wish you could tell a lot of women? Like we have a lot of young women listening right now. If from your professional standpoint, what do you wish you could tell all of these young women that, you know, could be super stressed, anxious on social media a lot, you know, yeah. have big goals that aren't 100% there yet, kind of hard on themselves, but want more out of life by listening to personal development podcasts and meditating, but they're just not there yet. What kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say my best advice, uh, if I were to give one piece of information would be, you don't have to believe everything you think. You don't have to believe every thought you have. And I guarantee you that thoughts lie to you. So your thoughts will lie to you. And it's our belief in them that is causing us to feel pain, anguish, to be triggered. And so once you start to understand that that's how we're designed, we're designed to hold on to negative information. The brain is designed it's called the negativity bias. The brain is actually designed to hold on to and remember negative experiences because it's supposed to be adapted for survival. And so it's the same reason why we can hold on to one criticism, but brush off a hundred compliments. It's that's how we're designed. And so when you understand how it works on a deeper level, you can start to really evaluate your inner narrative and your thoughts and the influence that they have on you. Mm-hmm. Such good advice. So how, for a beginner, how mm-hmm. do you in the moment not believe in your thoughts? How do you in the moment say, hey, you know what, brain, that might not be true. I might not, you know, get called into my boss's office because I'm getting fired. It might be, be because I'm getting a raise or something, you know, you know, we overthink yeah. so much, especially as women, we overthink, overthink, overthink. And you know, in the moment, it is hard to change your beliefs or how you even view your beliefs. Do you have any kind of actionable tips around that? Oh, definitely. Um, So we did discuss that the most triggering for the stress response is the story that we create it to be. And typically our brain is designed to just um, recollect what we've been through. Our brain's kind of like a big memory bank. It thinks back to what we've been through and it projects to what it's going to be. So our brain is operates from stories all the time. It's a fact. It's not, it's a story generating machine. It's not a fact generating machine in your brain. So 
I want you to consider that all of your stress responses are actually a response to the story that you create about the stress, not the situation. Oftentimes we get into the habit of blaming our external environment or other people or circumstances for how we're emotionally reacting. But when you understand that, when you start to listen to and understand the meaning that you're attaching and the story that you're attaching, you recognize how highly evolved and creative you are. And the stress response isn't reacting to your circumstances, reacting to the thoughts that you're having. So we have a lot of power once we understand that we have it, and then you can use it in your favor. So it's learning about how to recognize the external threat that's activating internal patterns. So Mm -hmm. we operate from triggers. And so right now, for instance, COVID, the virus isn't, isn't creating the stress. It's triggering these patterns that we have in us about safety, about survival, about autonomy and independence. So our primal triggers about safety and security, um, we are getting triggered over and over again. So our thoughts and the language that we use, our inner narrative, inform the stress response. So when you understand how it works, you can intentionally use your language to disarm the response. You can kind of hear for it, listen for it, and intentionally use your language. So, and we've mentioned your thoughts aren't your truths. We lie to ourselves all the time. We filter ourselves through our own criticism. Mm-hmm. And there's two truths about everybody. You are an extraordinary human being, but your humanity will spend a lifetime convincing you otherwise. Like that is mm-hmm. the truth. Mm-hmm. So we challenge our thoughts and we find the lies by listening to the words that we use. Your language is everything. The words that you use are everything. That is your currency. That is the narrative. That is where you live your life is the language that you use to other people, but most importantly in your head to yourself. So words are the units of our thoughts, which Mm -hmm. inform our emotions, which dictate our behaviors, which create lifestyles and eventually turn into bodily symptoms if it's not aligned for us, right? So Mm -hmm. think of a triangle like thoughts, emotions, and behaviors at the top are thoughts. Thoughts have a very powerful, powerful role. And so when you want to address your thoughts, the first thing and the easiest thing, I shouldn't say easy. It's a simple strategy. It's just not easy because it takes a while. They're conditioned, right? Is to listen for the language that we use because the language that we use creates our reality. The language that we use is what holds our beliefs together. So what I would initially tell people or women is listen for restrictive words. So I call these restrictive words. So things like can't, should, shouldn't, right, wrong, good, bad. So these are resistance words. When you hear these words, they are leading you to your constraints. They're leading you where you limit yourself. They're leading you where you criticize yourself and they're hints to your blind spots because we operate, we're very patterned beings. And so we all have blind spots. We all have beliefs. We're all limited in a lot of ways. Um, And so if you have some strategies that will pique your interest to say, like when you say, I shouldn't do that, stop yourself. Why shouldn't I do that? Like, what Mm -hmm. does it mean if I do that? What does it mean Mm -hmm. if this is right or wrong? Because those are all man-made words. They're sort of like assuming someone else's beliefs with those words. And if you find it a hard time to sort of cue into the inner narrative in your, in your mind, when you're triggered by something, it could be, it could be anything. When you find like, you're just getting kind of pissed off over something, or you're just feeling like, oh, 
this is frustrating me so much. When you get a chance to sort of step away from it, write down what you're thinking, like write down the situation and then underline or highlight how many times you use those words. And that will give you an idea of the inner narrative and the language that you're using when you refer to yourself or the language that you're using that creates your perspective. Mm -hmm. So you can look at your words and then the, my, one of my favorite strategies always is to, um, look at the understand. Once you start to recognize your words, you can start to understand, okay, what is this? If you were just to look at the facts, like, what am I going through? What is this? The hard facts about the situation use like yes or no questions. Is this true? Is this true? Versus what is the story that I'm telling myself? Mm-hmm. What is real but, about I'm going through? Yeah. My thing with, I guess, today's society is, and this is something that, you know, because I've completely changed the way I think and my thoughts and beliefs. I used to be very mean to myself and mm-hmm. I've transformed that over the years to being extremely supportive and nice towards myself and just think that I can do anything I put my mind to. And I have so much self-belief now, whereas I used to not, and I used to be super insecure. And I still see that come out a lot, um, you know, from girls today, you know, if I write a caption on my Instagram saying, oh, like, you know, fall in love with yourself. It's all about self-love and, and supporting yourself and wanting the best for yourself. Cause that's kind of the work I do. And a lot of these new followers I get, um, sometimes will message me being like, isn't loving yourself cocky? Like, isn't loving yourself? Like what's the difference between loving yourself and being obsessed with yourself? Like people see it as a negative thing, being your big supporter and, um, your own big supporter. And obviously there's a difference between confidence and cockiness and self-love and wanting to project being perfect to everyone. There's a very big difference, but you know, don't you see that as an issue as well? I feel like that that's just something that I come across so much that people for some reason have been conditioned to not think it's okay to be proud of themselves. Like it's kind of a taboo. Yes. Yeah. And I think um, one, like that kind of speaks to the idea. And I had this conversation the other day and they were saying how there's a, like there's a difference between like a feeling like that you have to be humble, right? Like that people mm-hmm. get conditioned into this humility, but at the same time, when we get conditioned into this, you can't really boast about yourself. You can't feel proud. Um, you're confining yourself and you limit yourself and you, everything looks like it's selfish when you're adding that narrative and everything looks like you're selfish. You're never giving yourself the opportunity to really feel proud, to celebrate who you are. And every single person, the way that we are designed to view the world, the way that we're designed to communicate, the way that we're designed to express ourselves is filtering ourselves through our own beliefs. So if someone, whatever anyone says to you, it doesn't matter what it is, good, bad, neutral, whatever it is, it's filtered through their own belief. So when someone speaks about, um, isn't that cocky of you? All that does, and it's not its not a bad thing, all it does is it reveals their blind spots. It reveals where they interpret self-love or, or self-compassion as selfish. And mm-hmm. that's an opportunity. Every time you reveal um, that about yourself, it's an opportunity to either project it onto the other person, which is never the situation that you really want to do because it's not productive and it's actually not the root of what's going on, 
or look at it to examine, okay, why do I feel like this is, that person is so cocky? Like, why do I feel like that confidence just rubs me the wrong way? Because if that's the case, what you're doing is it's speaking to a deeper part of you, a deeper conditioned part of you that has been sort of told over time or has been um, conditioned to the point where it's staying small, staying humble, staying quiet is rewardable. And Mm -hmm. having boundaries, speaking your mind um, is selfish. Being confident, being outwardly confident is selfish. And so I think it's an opportunity. Every time we're triggered, it's a, it's a gift. It really is a gift to see where we aren't free. Mm-hmm. And so I think every time you're feeling like, oh, that kind of bothers me. I don't like how she's sort of out there. Then self-evaluate. It's, not, it's a gift. It's an opportunity. It really is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so true, Mallory. Like, Every single time that I find myself judging someone or hating someone or, you know, looking down to someone or whatever it is, because we're all human and we all have those moments, every single time I notice that it's because I'm not feeling good about myself. And it always goes back to me. And one of the things that I've learned over the past few years that has really helped me in my personal development is knowing that whatever people say about you is more about them than it is about you. Whatever you say about others is more about you than it is about them. So it's really just a mirror. And at the end of the day, yeah. And and at the end of the day, even if this person is unbelievably cocky and disgraceful, Mm -hmm. if you are a very happy, stable, loving, blissed out person, you're not even going to get, let that person bother you or even get into your head because you're just like so happy that you don't want to let go of that feeling, you know? (laughs) Yes, totally. And it's like judgment is really quick. Empathy and compassion take time. It takes a little bit more Mm -hmm. attention, right? So Mm -hmm. um, you're right. You you may not align with somebody and have the same beliefs or values or morals. That's for sure. Uh, But that also means that they don't have to be in your circle because you have the capacity to develop boundaries for yourself. But I don't Mm -hmm. think – I think that we take a lot of things and it's hard. Like, I get it. I get it. One of the most common beliefs that human beings carry is I'm not good enough. And therefore Mm -hmm. we spend all of our days looking to prove that we're either good enough or finding evidence that we're not good enough. And so Mm -hmm. when people say things to us, all it is to the brain is I told you so. See, look, I told you. And so we hold on to this information and we internalize it. But when you understand a little bit more on a a deeper level, how it works, you can really get how at the core of it, we're all just looking at the world through our own lens, through our own experiences, through our own perceptions. And everything that comes back to us is just for, for our, as a reflection of who we are. Mm, So true. And so freaking powerful. Okay. So I want to move things more to the health and hormone and food and that kind of area, I would love to hear your take on what it looks like to have healthy hormones, what it looks like to have a healthy gut, just to have a balanced body versus what it could look like if you're not in balance and what people can do if they feel not in balance. And also after that, I want to know your thoughts on nutrition and food and what 
women especially, um, you know, not should be eating because I know, you know, we both believe in bioindividuality, but, you know, from a general standpoint, why nutrition is important to you and what your kind of philosophies are. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So in terms of um, hormones, there's, there's several different hormones. One that we talked about already a little bit that we alluded to is the stress response. And so I'll talk about the hormone for a minute and then give you an idea of what it looks like when it's off so that you can recognize because hormones are a little bit elusive when you don't know too much about them. Um, so the stress response, for instance, you will see a change with energy. So waking up tired, um, coming around around 10 a.m., hitting a wall in the afternoon, feeling like uh, that between that 12.30 to 2.30, 3.30, just exhausted. And then picking up again, your energy picks up again around dinner time. feel like you can go to bed at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, you're exhausted at the end of the night. And then all of a sudden, 9, 9.30 roll around, you're wide awake. Um, the first couple hours of your sleep are pretty deep. And you can generally have a very light sleep, um, very restless sleep for the rest of the night. Uh, that's the energy pattern with cortisol. And that's a very, very common pattern that women will experience when things are a little bit off. It's kind of like the on button is half on during the day. You don't have a ton of energy. And then it's half on at night where you're not sleeping very well. And so other things that we would see are like women having fat, um, gaining fat in their abdomen in particular, a lot of cortisol deposits in fat deposits in the abdomen, um, headaches, feeling overwhelmed, generally that general sense of feeling overwhelmed, um, little things bother them like partner chewing, um, bright lights, loud noises, uh, just feeling like ah, my plate's already so full. If anything comes on the plate, the plate's going to break. So that's that kind of cortisol response. Now, hormones, the thing about hormones that is great about them and is also kind of not so great about them is that they never, ever work in isolation. So it's you can never just look at one hormone and have the whole picture or address one hormone and have the whole picture. So when you're talking about stress, the sort of the antithesis or the opposite of cortisol is melatonin. So in order to really address your stress response, we better make sure that you're sleeping okay because that's when your stress is reduced. And so, or when your the, the cortisol levels are actually lowered enough to replenish themselves, particularly between the hours of 11 and 1.30 in the morning, cortisol really takes a deeper dive. And so if you're not sleeping, then that's an issue. We need to really make sure that you're not, you're sleeping. And one of the things, or the only thing really that influences melatonin more than anything is light exposure. So if you're on your phone, especially blue light can really affect the retinas and, and trigger cortisol levels. If you're on your phone late at night, if you are watching TV, if you are up and active and you have all the lights on, it's going to, when you feel tired, which means that your melatonin levels are coming up and you push yourself, you're, your cortisol levels will take over again and suppress melatonin. So you become really, really tired um, and you get to sleep, but then you have this really restless sleep. So our light exposure, particularly after dinner time. And then when we wake up in the morning, first thing in the morning, our cortisol spikes around 8 a.m. And one thing that spikes with it is our insulin levels because we've utilized all the stored insulin overnight as we slept. And so nutrition plays a huge role here is because if you are 
your body is ready and for you to consume or eat food, if you're not having a well-balanced nutrition, which means it has protein, it has fat, it has some fiber in it, then your cortisol levels and your insulin levels will be trying to catch up for you versus you balancing your through your nutrition. I don't want to go mm-hmm. on too much of a tangent unless you have more like questions. Yeah, no, that's so interesting. And, you know, we're so exposed constantly to things that can disrupt our hormones. So it's super interesting to hear what you just said there about light and everything as well. Do you think food has a direct um, effect on our hormone levels? Obviously, birth control is a whole other topic. Um, But do you think nutrition has a direct response on, on hormones or is it really just emotional and like birth control and light and, and kind of other endocrine yeah. disruptors. <laughs> no, you're a hundred percent, you're hundred percent correct. So hormones are created. Um, they're influenced by the brain significantly influenced by our psychology significantly, our belief systems, our thought patterns, all of that kind of stuff, especially the stress response, but they're regulated in the gut. And so our nutrition, what we consume into our bodies is the medium that influences our immune system, influences our hormones. So about 70% of our immune system sits in our gut. And so if we are consistently inflamed, if we are consuming foods that are highly processed, sugar, lots of alcohol, lots of caffeine, our body is prioritizing, digesting, um, processing, filtering, detoxifying those foods uh, and whatever we're consuming versus what it should be doing most of the time, which is helping regulate our stress response, helping regulate our sex hormones, our estrogen, our progesterone, our cycle. And so one of the best ways and long-term ways to manage your hormones is through nutrition, is by making sure that you have the proper nutrition, the proper macronutrients, but also the nutrients that you need to create those hormones, which are the precursors to creating the hormones. Mm-hmm through Mm -hmm. nutrition. So what would, so what are your thoughts on women's nutrition? Are you, um, you know, big advocate for healthy fats or more of a high protein? Like what are your kind of general philosophies with nutrition and food? Hey guys, to listen to the rest of this episode with Dr. Mallory, just head to the next ep on my podcast for part two. Enjoy.